All right. Uh, Craig says it's recording now, so I think we're live. We're, we're going. So welcome, everyone, to the first uh, first edition of the Modern Sovereign Podcast. I'm Alex. We've got Ryan and Will here in the chat with us. If you guys want to say hi. Hi. Hello, hello. <laughs> There's um, no way to do this without sounding sort of awkward. It's like, oh, like everyone say hi. It, this sounds horribly scripted. I promise I'm not reading anything. Um, yeah, sure. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves, Ryan, you want to you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Ryan. I'm a full-time algorithmic trader, uh, mainly in crypto. Uh, yeah, that's it. Will. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we'll talk a bit more about stuff we do as we go on, especially with this episode. Yeah, so yeah. my name's Will. I'm a sort of copywriter and business coach. Uh, at the same time, Ryan and Alex still don't really know what I do, so we'll keep it Nobody that does. way. Nobody does, that's, and that's the goal. All right, Alex? and yeah, I'm Alex. I'm currently a full-time blue-collar um, worker, tradesman-type guy, um, but also mood lighting as a crypto trader, wannabe algo dev. Um, growing my wealth and skill set there and looking to uh, expand that in the future um and that's that's honestly kind of the point of the, of the podcast here uh, becoming the uh, the modern sovereign um uh, this idea that we can be uh independent from a, a nine-to-five job um and tap into the whatever you want to call it the the, the internet economy at large um yeah, and in a way, almost independent from modern society, where it's like, yeah, you participate and you take what you want from it and give what you want to it, but that we're not built into it so much that certain things affect us as much as everyone else gets affected. So it's maybe it's ultimate flexibility, and that's what I sort of associate with sovereignty and independence. Yeah, there's this kind of growing theme where the outside world is kind of controlling what we can do, um, be it lockdowns or like mandates, um, certain requirements for like getting jobs, or whatever else. Um, or we're coming into a, a position in the world where there's a massive amount of opportunity, but also if you don't capitalize on that opportunity, you're going to get left behind and put into a position where um, you, you don't get to live the life that you want. Other people dictate what you can and can't do, can and can't say. And um we're just exploring ways to free ourselves from those confines to to maximize our own personal freedom and sovereignty and create a world that we we want to live in basically yeah. yeah and i think that uh like the funny thing is like all three of us like in our group chats we always banter crypto but <laughs> like we talk it a lot but this this will not be like just a crypto podcast it just happens that like, especially if you look at Ryan's Twitter, like the amount he talks about sort of the principles of crypto really mm -hmm. do apply to sovereignty here. And so like for the uh, the boomer Gen X is listening, like this won't all be unintelligible NFT banter. It'll also, it's just, it's going to feel very relevant on anything. It'll be mostly, yeah, it'll, it'll be mostly that. that. It'll, be, <laughs> it'll be mostly just you guys roasting me for aping into stuff that I don't even know what it means. Yeah, yeah. I think those two concepts are like intertwined, like uh, fairly, uh, fairly innately, right? Like, uh, crypto and the idea of being sovereign and independent. I think crypto is going to be a vector for more and more people in the future to actually join that sort of elite. Exactly. Like that'll be of that group that will say are the elite or the sovereigns of the future. They will probably all have a factor of 
the crypto will factor into their wealth anyways. And it's whether they made it that way or they just happen to store it that way because it's easier to stay flexible and stuff like that. Like someone makes their money in biotech, but is like, yeah, I'm storing it in this. I also hold like this, this, and this, but I know that this helps me move around flexibly, go country to country and um, even different tax stuff. Although I think we yeah, should probably yeah. avoid, avoid in general talking about tax stuff on here because that's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that kind of paints target on our backs. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, the the modern sovereign book, or no, the the sovereign individual. Excuse me. Um, that actually goes into that quite a bit. Um, uh, th this idea that in the future, automation, um, AI technology, it's going to create a deflationary pressure where everything becomes so cheap, food production, durable goods, whatever else, they become so inexpensive that it's very very easy for everyone to just kind of um, to get by. But. Um, it's going to be a relatively small number of people, like one to five percent of the the world's population, that are going to uh, quote owns the means of production, um, that are going to control uh, the assets that create everything that people consume, and those are going to be like the true sovereign of the world. The um, the <clears throat> the the farmers and the farmed in a way. I, yeah, yeah, I thought, in a certain sense. I thought this podcast was about to take a Marxist turn there when you were talking about owning the music. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, the the just, wording just kind of came to my head. I promise <laughs> I'm the farthest thing from a Marxist. Um, yeah, th this is a communist podcast, actually. <laughs> Quick rebrand. <laughs> it's a surprise to all three of us, but it somehow ends up being a communist podcast. Yeah. Like, what's up, proles? How are we going to do this today? <laughs> yeah, so... And I, and I think that like the principles will slowly come out here and it, it really is all around sovereignty and all these different things. Like I know every chat, like I've talked to Ryan a lot more than I've talked to Alex and every chat Ryan ever have really does come back to those principles. Cause it's something that even though we're very different people, mm -hmm. you just see it play out in, uh, it, it's almost like a pathological desire for like, this is what I believe in and this is how I embodied my life. And we all do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so maybe it helped just to like talk about, we, we, we were sort of like, messaging back and forth haphazardly trying to be like oh like what will be the uh what will be like the theme for the first episode and i think something that stood out to me was just the whole like leaving leaving your job stuff like i i think that's a big topic and it's a topic that we'll come back to a lot but maybe just different perspectives on that because i think right now it's becoming more and more relevant as like i i had a buddy over for dinner last night and he was talking about moving countries in the next like two three weeks and just how that how that factors into work stuff and uh, it's almost like you first have to sort of the work stuff and the rest comes. So maybe then want to just go off on their perspective on like leaving jobs. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think we're sort of seeing this desire for sovereignty reflected pretty clearly right now. You, you, like I know for a fact, I know a ton of people that are either leaving their jobs, have left their job or are planning on leaving their job in the near mm -hmm. future, right? Like we're seeing this not even just in like our probably personal lives, but on Twitter as well, right? A lot of people are trying to start their own business. They're trying to start their own thing. And I think it ties like heavily back into this theme of sovereignty. Like everyone sort of intuitively feels like uh, it's time to take that leap and they want that freedom. They want to detach just a little bit from the systems that they're losing touch with. Um, and I think the cool thing about this is that there's not really any resources out there to help you make that call on when mm -hmm. is the right time to do it. So yeah, I really like this as a first topic. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot baked into the, the concept of sovereignty, but 
time freedom, probably the number one thing. I mean, uh, wealth, super important, connections, super important, but um, being forced into a position where you have to go to a certain place every day for a certain amount of time, that's a, I don't want to say it's a huge drag on your life. There are some people who really love what they do or find a lot of meaning out of um, out of what they do. But I, I remember even when I was a kid, I was talking to my dad. He was talking about, uh, I think actually starting like a, like a IT, how to, how to excel in, a, in your IT profession sort of podcast and use that as a way to generate income for himself so that he can get out of his job. And I, it kind of got me to asking him, like, do, do you like your job? Like, is it like a fun thing to do? Is it what you want to be doing? And it's, he kind of had like, um, yeah, it's if I have to do something, this is the thing that I would like to be doing. I'm good at it. It, it seems meaningful. It seems like I'm making some positive difference in the world. But... If I didn't need the money, I would much rather spend my time with my family or working on personal projects or even just kind of vibing, honestly. Um, and escaping the job is kind of how you do that. Um, it's kind of the first big step in creating the life that you want to um, with total freedom, total sovereignty. Um, we're gonna have to each have like each of us gets ten times we get to say sovereignty in an episode, and then after <laughs> oh, that, it's like, after that, we got to get the, the thesaurus out. Um, yeah, wait, <laughs> what were you saying? Like, I, I totally vibe with it, and like something I noticed in the last like, five, ten years is that there was always the like you've seen all the money Twitter stuff. They're like, oh, like free yourself from your shackles, blah blah blah. Like it, it felt very immature, like independence for the sake of immaturity. Like a guy that just wants to stay single forever that same sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And what I've seen is just a, a better version of that emerge in the last two years where people aren't just like, oh, I'm going to make an ebook and just try and chill it. And that will be just the end of I'll it. They're like, oh, bro. yeah, exactly. Like there's, there's more of a desire to like, oh, I want to, I'm not going to have like 30 of these different little businesses. I want something that like actually embodies me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a perfect example is like, Ryan, like what you've done, man, like you've, what you, but what you built out with Cypherscope, um, I obviously, by the way, get affiliate kickbacks for saying this right now, but what what you built out with Cypherscope is exactly your personality in a business. And it's what you like to do. Like you would be probably having these chats anyways, you'd be, and that's what it is, is I think like, what are the things that you would like before your workday starts, if like everyone's workday starts at nine o'clock, what are the things that you would happy be, be happy to be looking up at 6 a.m. or whenever everyone wakes up? And that's what I'm, I consider myself very lucky. It's like I wake up really early every day and I like get to work right away. There's no like, oh, I've got to do this, then this and this. It's like I'm keen and I'm ready to go. And I think that's a like sub goal here with sovereignty is the idea of like, oh, like I want to be doing what I'm doing relevant to what you said about your dad, Alex. Yeah, yeah, that that's actually a really good way to put it because I I know like on my end it all happened like very organically, right? Like this was uh like algorithmic trading was something I was already doing anyway, um and I guess Cipher was just like a small extension of that, um so it felt very natural. Uh, like nothing really changed about what I decided to do when I wake up, right? Uh, and I think that's really what this all is all about. Uh, I think yeah, Alex was talking about the like the time freedom sort of aspect to it. And I think that's like a huge, huge impetus behind a lot of people's feelings and like a drive for independence, right? Like the totally soul crushing time commitment required in a lot of these more traditional paths. Yeah, winning back your commute time. I think that's a lot something a lot of people got in the last, whatever, year and a half of COVID 
you're like, oh, wow, like this is what happens when I don't have to spend an hour and a half in a commute in a day. And it's almost like, so how do I not give that up now? And I think that's what a lot of people are going through. It's like, how do I not give that up? And just being like, what are ways for me to avoid all these little costs? Or even like costs of having to get like, like if you uh, work in an office, like getting office wear and stuff, like stuff that you may never wear outside of that, like all these little costs that add up like time and financially and how you can avoid that and thrive without it. And that's, I think that's going to be the name of like the next year is just people realizing like, oh, there is a way now to avoid this. Because I remember like five, six years ago in my sort of delusional way, I said to my parents, like, yeah, like I think like, I would never want to like have to commute to work. Like that just seems like a big hassle. And I, and I lived a two minute walk from my office at the time. And now I just work from home. And uh, like, so it's worked out for me. And I think that a lot of other people are realizing like, oh, that's not delusional anymore. It's not delusional to not want to commute. It's not one of those things like, oh, like if you do that, you either have like a crappier job or like just all these other things. It's like it is possible to thrive and be like time rich and avoid all these little costs. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't even like a lot of people that are currently in that very traditional path right now don't even they can't even consider it a possibility for themselves because they're like, oh, I don't have the skill set. I don't have this. I don't have that. But I think I think we're basically sitting at the foot of like a massive creator economy boom. Uh, and more and more like as people like sort of dip their toe in um, and there's like there's that money Twitter meme about how like when you make your first dollars online you like it'll never be the same uh, and it's kind of cringe but it's also there's some truth <laughs> to that there, there is some definite truth to that once you like cross a chasm of oh this is money made from like a completely independent source it's something that I made from a connection that I forged uh, using like almost no outside system uh, it, is, it is like a cool like uh, light switch in your head. Um, and I think we're going to see like more and more people, like waves of people across that. Um, like people have been talking about a creator economy like a little bit in recent years, but I think we're basically just at the foot of the mountain. I, I thought you were saying creator economy. I was like, is this like, a, is this like, a, like the market meme, but you're saying creator economy. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah, creator economy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, COVID's actually been a, a bit of a game changer in that regard. Um, it forcing everybody out of the commute when everyone who's already doing digital work can just do it at home. Um, it gives them a taste of what not having a commute is like. It gives them a taste of um, not total time free meant free freedom, but the uh, yeah the, the realization that it doesn't actually take eight hours a day to get a full day's worth of work done for most people in most cases. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. COVID was incredible for that. It feels weird to say. <laughs> like, I COVID loved was, it. COVID it, was fantastic. COVID, yeah. Well, I Greatest mean, year of my true, life. Right? Yeah, I'm long uh, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, COVID was incredible for this though, right? Like, uh, you're totally right. And I think the reason you're sort of seeing more and more stuff about how there's labor shortages everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, there's labor shortages like uh, across a ton of industries, right? I know for oh, yeah. a fact it's definitely happening in, in my field in software and a ton of Is others really? too. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's been like a labor shortage in, in software for like ages. Like people uh, always need yeah. more, more competent yeah. software engineers than exist. I think that will be true probably for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, actually, that's, that'd be a good topic. We should probably learn to code is probably a good topic for a future episode, <laughs> by the way. Put a pin in that one. Yeah. Uh, wait, what was I talking about? Um, started with labor shortages. Um, I think yeah, COVID right. being good and oh, these sort yeah. of trends you're noticing. 
Yeah, yeah, I feel like COVID was a huge impetus behind this and it'll actually, we'll end up looking back on it as like uh, a weird yeah. like silver lining from the whole pandemic and then mm -hmm. it probably kick-started uh, this idea of people wanting to slowly untether once they realize like just how good their day can get when they're mm -hmm. not like stuck in an office. Uh, I think a, a, another big factor here is the fact that like the nine to five workday is probably it's probably outdated and it's probably mm -hmm. not a useful structure for like maybe 80, 90 percent of jobs where like you're sort of incentivized to just slowly get by and appear like you're working throughout the day in a way that's kind of soul crushing and not very fulfilling. Whereas if you work from home, you're incentivized to work smart, right? Like you can get all your tasks done and then you can just, you have the rest yeah. of your day to yourself. So like, even if you're not being like a completely independent uh, entity yourself, like you can still apply these concepts uh, even if you are still tethered to that system. Yeah. And one thing I saw that was just beautiful at the beginning of COVID is like, cause I've been working from home for a while and I was probably one of the few people my friends knew who did that. And so when COVID started, the messages I got, I got a few of these was like, dude, how do you not just watch porn all day? And <laughs> I was like, I'll be the only one they ever censor on this podcast. And I think we can keep that in. And so that was the first thing. And then I was like, uh, I just don't like, I'm not an idiot. And then two weeks later, I started to be getting these messages where it's more like, Hey, like, what should I do with all my extra time? You seem like you have a bunch of hobbies and stuff you're into. You're always just doing random self study. Like, what, what would you recommend for me? And I thought that was just the, the best thing I saw was people actually getting to explore a bit more because they weren't doing the sort of, I work and I go out and maybe meet someone. And then on weekends, I do maybe something, but not that much. And I read sometimes and I exercise, hopefully. And that's life. Like people were actually like, oh yeah, I'm learning about this. I, and it was, it's been great to see, like a lot of my friends have way better lives now. And um, yeah, so long COVID. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think I think we've probably set the scene for like why it's great, uh, and we've probably sold that effectively well. But um, in terms of, I think a lot of people are probably, a lot of people who probably are waiting to take the leap are like halfway like through that leap and are mm -hmm. sort of unsure about whether to fully cut the cord uh, with their old job or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't. Well, actually, I don't know what your like work situation was like before you became independent. So maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I still haven't heard that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was, uh, I was actually working with our friend Pat at the time, and he coached me through the exit. But I, uh, yeah, I was working in real estate investment. And so like, it was a, a good company, a lot of positive things there. And uh, I was enjoying it. But I had a weird sort of snafu where because basically my team was going to move over to another company. And I, I packed up all my stuff, brought it home. And then my boss changed his mind. And then it was sort of awkward because the like our managing director knew about this, and I sort of sat and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like someone else was. I'm that dependent on someone else that he can do something dumb, and it like messes with my life. And that really pushed me to start doing. I'm like, "Okay, what could I do on the side? What would I be good at?" And uh, that sort of pushed me down the sort of copywriting marketing path, and it was how things really got started. And then at a point, I was like, oh, "I'm doing well enough with this that it's almost bad." Um, it was almost just like bad for my spirit to like keep doing something I was so half-assing and I was like okay I'm gonna get out now and uh get out right before the summer so I have like a summer to like get my get things together make sure I'm like socially set up because a lot of people do get part of their social life and their dating life even from the office oh yeah and uh so I wanted to make sure all was good in the summer and then it would be easy to go into like a winter more isolated 
and be working from home. So I, yeah, and I did like a very slow exit where I gave like a month and a half notice. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually had a hernia surgery coming up, so I wanted to make sure that I was still on benefits and a disability in case <laughs> I went longer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's one of those things like I was out with my old boss two days ago and we're doing some deals together now. And so I really preserved that relationship and have done well with that. And, um, and like another topic, because what we're dancing around here is like when you're moonlighting, or not dancing around here, but like when you're moonlighting and doing something else, like is that unethical? Where where are you crossing a boundary? Because it obviously technically violates some some clauses in your employment contract that I don't really give a fuck about. Sure, I'm like, yeah. you know, to me, like those are unethical clauses, and I don't feel I would not feel bad at all. It'd be one thing if you were like double dipping and competing with yourself in the same industry type thing, but it was like two completely yeah. different things. And I was like, I don't care. Like that to me, and I've talked to Ryan about this a bit. Like I always am looking for like, what is the thing that, and I know what I think is ethical, but like, is this something that other people would be fine with too? And that's something that like no one seems bugged by. And I think that's very antiquated. Like my girlfriend is, uh, she's moving jobs in the next week or so. And she was talking about like, she saw that clause in her contract. At the same time as I'm trying to help her, set something up on the side because she sort of sees my setup and she's had similar frustrations with her job. And I was like, yeah, I just don't even feel bad about violating that. Like you're, you're fine. And as long as you're not doing something right in the same industry, then I don't even think you need to tell people about that. And like, they wouldn't tell you if they were about to fire you. And so you don't really have to tell them if you're setting something up on the side, it's not the same as, um, as like branch swinging and dating parlance where someone starts looking for a new person while they're already dating, which I think is like a shithead move. This to me is totally different and it's just good life management. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of why I was on the move. And yeah, I think I sort of, I, I, I finished the story. Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah, were I, the, what were the, uh, I don't know, the, the income streams that you used um, while you're transitioning out of it? Um, <clears throat> like practically speaking, how did that work out? Um, yeah. What was, and what was, was some... paying the bills? What was paying the bills? Like yeah, of the day job. And that was something that will come up a lot here is because Ryan has gone more of the business route in a way. And I was more of a freelancer. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, okay, I need to figure out something that like basically how I've gotten, not gotten by, like how like I've thrived in a way is I just like, keep raising rates. I have strong relationships with people and I go mm-hmm. that path. Whereas what Ryan's done is he's built a product that he sells here. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is like, that's always the better route. Although you want to have something that you're using your time on as well, unless you just want to chill, which is also fair mm-hmm. game. And uh, and I and I'm still looking. I was like, what would be something that would be a high integrity, like mm-hmm. saleable product type thing? And um, in the meantime, like the scalable thing for me has just been like investing in basically, yeah, basically just investing smart and stuff like that. Like that is the scalable thing, mm-hmm. and also scaling my time by just being able to charge more and building more expertise. And so, yeah, as I was leaving, it was all freelance stuff. And I'm now, like, it's one of those things where people refer to this as my business. I'm like, uh, I almost am like, this is just a job that I created for myself that I can just be my own boss and sort of dick around. And like, and, and that's how I view it. Whereas you do want those other businesses that are running on their own type thing. And uh, so I think it's just really good to point out these two different paths and be cognizant of it because some people might try and find like, oh, what's a product you make and stuff like that. And it's like, oh man, like what's something that you could instantly make your life better doing that you want to get better at, all that sort of stuff. And that's a totally viable path. And that's the path that like a lot of people go in the beginning and then they build out maybe a product later on relevant to it or a separate product or they invest or they do partnerships. 
And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's something I'm thinking about a lot right now is just a lot of people almost think in terms of, oh, I can only do one of these. And often it's no, you can do one and then the other, like a hybrid model. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be the <clears throat> one of the defining points of, of this new economic era that we're running into where um, before you had your job and it's kind of how you identify yourself in a certain way. Like, I am a plumber, I am a doctor, whereas in the future, you'll have things that you do that also make you money, but there are going to be so many different things that people are doing at any given time and those different things are going to be changing over the course of time. To the point where you do copywriting, you do some design, um, you're an investor, a trader. Um, yeah, you've got all kinds of different things going on at once. And it, I think, yeah, long the polymaths, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you'll be more defined by your, your skill stack, right? More mm -hmm. than like this individual one thing you do, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, me, me and Will are probably like pretty good examples of that, right? Uh, it's mm -hmm. probably why it's hard to pin down in like one or two <laughs> words what Will actually does for a living is because mm -hmm. he has like a... <laughs> it's a like fairly, seven different things. Yeah, because he has a fairly broad range of skills that can be sort of pieced together uh, like Lego bricks and applied to different tasks. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, that's, and that's also like a classic sort of... ENTP screw up things like bounce around and never really settle down. And I see like my dad is pretty similar to me and he is like, I, I was just visiting him in the East Coast, East Coast of Canada. And since COVID, like he has all his businesses and stuff that he does in Toronto and he's like basically a CMO for hire. That's what he does. And since then, he's been spending a lot of time out East. He's opened a flight school, a restaurant. He's doing a flip on a property. <laughs> he's, he's solving their affordable housing problem. He's importing planes from Brazil. And, and he's got all these businesses that he runs in, like, in Toronto. They're like the tech companies, things like that, where he's, he takes equity as a CMO. Holy and so shit. I watch that. And, and to me, I'm like, like, you spend a lot of like, the earlier years of your life just like, oh, I'm not going to be like my dad. And, and it's hilarious because I ended up being like my dad, but I'm like, I want to have a more cohesive story. And I think that's what a lot of people is like, do different things, but make sure it, make sure it can tell a story that all fits together. Because if you can't explain it to other people how it fits together, it doesn't fit together in your head. And that sort of lack of integration means that it just is harder. It's harder to care. If you're doing one thing you care a lot about and the other, you, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just doing this for the money, blah, blah, blah. Like that's hard on the psyche and it adds up over time whereas you're like oh this i'm getting a skill from that will help with this and this feeds into this and i can refer business from this part to this which yeah, is what yeah. i'm doing in a lot of ways like like my main like three methods of earning income are copywriting coaching and then uh like basically one company that i do a lot of consulting with and that company is in the crypto space so i also invest a lot through them and it all fits together in yeah, that way. Where... Would have been a top three. Hmm? I would have thought shit coins would have been a top three <laughs> soon. And uh, and it's something I think about right now. Like I, I was with a buddy two days ago, and we were talking about, oh man, we need to stop being like sort of bounce around goons and like focus. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm trying to tell myself this story where these three things fit together. And then once I have that sorted out, think about like what's a ten year project or what's a what's a product I can set up that's unrelated to that even, but gives me skills that would then feed into other 10-year projects. And uh, yeah, so it's basically stories and 10-year projects are what I'm thinking about a lot right now. And, and I think we're seeing this with like, both of you guys. Like we're, we're all trying to find 
our 10 year projects. We're all trying to find like the right story where it all fits. And, um, and, uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but like Ryan, you used to do a lot more, uh, like software, like what, what were you contracting? Right. And you sort of yeah. cut it out, right. Because it just didn't fit anymore. And there were better ways to use that time. And I think that's what we'll see with everyone. And it's probably like with Alex, like the ideal outcome in this podcast would be like that your story evolves as this goes on and all our stories evolve. And so it's, it's almost like a case study in itself as you are feeling out those different parameters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like what you said about the um, dipping your toes into a project to build the skills um, while you're building the project, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, like when you get hired onto a company, they kind of do this. Like you, you go to college, you get your training, whatever else. And so you kind of have theoretical understanding of whatever industry that you're in. But then you get hired on and then you have your weeks or months where they actually tell you how to do it. And then you can be like a full-fledged employee and actually provide value where I think that model is actually going to get transferred over to the um, individual um, owner economy, whatever uh, sort of thing that we're talking about, where um, like a while back I was picking up web development um, there. there's kind of like a skill curve when you're learning how to code. You, you can go through uh, different courses, um, find stuff on YouTube, Unity, whatever else, lots of resources. And those are like well and good and great, but you don't actually know how to do any of it until you've actually done it for yourself. And to do that, you kind of have to take on um, what people usually refer to as portfolio projects. Yeah. Um, and those actually serve as like really good uh, dual purpose uses of your time. Um, in that you get to learn the skill itself, which is obviously the the goal there. Um, you've got something that you can put on a resume, a portfolio, whatever you want to call it, um, then submit that to a job. And then they can say, oh, you've obviously got this, uh, the skill set that we need because you've done it. But on top of that, if it's a good idea, if you've executed well on it, the project in and of itself could also scale. Um, so like if you're trying to take like a tech route into uh, <clears throat> into yeah. your own sovereignty or um, making your own money, this is kind of the route that people should go is you learn by doing and whether you have you set yourself a high goal like scaling a big web app um, but even if that doesn't work out then you can use that same project to fall back and get yourself just like a a quotes job job which may be better than the situation that you're in now and then you can use leverage the experience and context you make at the job to go and do other things as well yeah yeah absolutely i i think uh, i think what what you said there and i think what will said about him and his dad there it's really interesting because I'm like the opposite of like a bounce around and do a lot of yeah. things kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I like to be extremely concentrated on one uh, max two things at a time and just go like really, really hard in them. Um, and I think that's interesting because one idea that's probably going to run through a lot of what we discuss here is the idea of picking a path that is optimal for your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's something a lot of people don't consider, right? Like they, they get a lot of ideas thrown out of them either on Twitter or elsewhere, but you should do this, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the most, maybe the most important factor for actually making it and like crossing that chasm is choosing something that maps to the contours of your personality. Yeah. And I see that a lot with e-com stuff. I actually, I have a friend that he was doing phenomenally in e-com, but he just didn't really care about it. So he shut it down. 
and uh, and he's gone a completely different, more, more like a SaaS route now. And watching that, I was like, man, like, that's pretty good self-awareness that you see that. And I had it with myself. Like I, I was like looking at e-com and then I was just like, this makes no sense. I'm the last guy that should be involved in e-com. Like I don't like things. Like I, I own like six pairs of underwear. I'm the last person that should be telling people, <laughs> I'm the last person that should be telling people to buy these physical things. Whereas like info products and I, I don't even like peddling ideas in a way. It's like that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Like I'm sort of like an esoteric, eclectic guy where like I, I, I can barely finish a sentence because I'm just excited and bouncing around on stuff. Like that is not conducive to selling physical products. That is very conducive to helping people understand the ideas that you need to understand before you actually buy a product, like an info product. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, <clears throat> like for me, I'm kind of a, a sleepy personality in a, in a certain sense. Um, I'm not the kind of guy that can like go up and like run around and meeting all these people and starting all these projects. Um, that gets a little tiring. Um, I do tend to be observant. I've got good pattern recognition. Um, so like watching the crypto space, for example, um, decent eye for projects, decent eye for charts. Um, and I've found that I can make decent money doing that. Um, it, yeah, it, yeah, find the thing that you're good at and then um, leverage that to, to make as much money that you can off of it. Yeah, yeah. and the learn to code thing. Actually, I'll let Ryan go because I was sort of going to just reference something he said a long time ago about learn to code is that <laughs> learn to code is bullshit for most people. It's like oh, yeah. same with sales. Yeah. Oh, sales is king. It's like, yeah, like we're all selling in our own way and that we like befriended each other. But to do it professionally, people are just making a living off yeah. of it. Yeah, and there's and like I have a lot of different friends in sales who have different ways of going about it and watching mm-hmm. like, oh, there's your DNA coming to a specific role. But with code, I think it's a lot more stringent where it's like I like I know a bit, like I've talked around about this before, like I know a bit of how to code, but it's just A, not a good use of my time. And I just like it just doesn't work for me. Like, I, I would it would be a it would be me climbing a hill that Ryan would be walking level on in a way. Yeah. Like yeah, if we're using yeah. odd metaphors here. Yeah, I, I think um, the sales thing is definitely like a heavy one, right? Like if you're if you're on Twitter or anywhere else, you're going to get a lot of very extroverted, very like direct and social people uh, push like the sales path on you because mm-hmm. it's what works so well for them. Um, and you know maybe they're well-meaning and everything, but it's it's probably a terrible idea. Like if you're not if you're not if your personality isn't closely aligned with theirs, it's probably just never going to work out. In the same way that, like Will says, learning to code is straight up just not applicable for so, so many people. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think that's a really, really important uh, thing to sort of consider because the first thing you should be doing is being like very introspective with yourself and mm-hmm. working out. I think, I can't remember who said this, but someone said that like you should, as a good heuristic, is that you should do the thing that feels like work to other people but is effortless for you i think that was naval the original was that naval yeah <laughs> i think so yeah that, that that's a really that's a really good one and uh i think i think when i heard that that was like uh that was pretty influential on me but uh our first dead space there oh no <laughs> but, uh, that's, it's, it's over we're done that salespeople feedback loop on twitter that's that's an interesting phenomenon that you just pointed out where 
the people who are best at sales, the people who make it in sales tend to be the loud extroverted people. The loud extroverted people tend to be the ones that perform on Twitter. And so the people who are performing on Twitter just tell everyone else what's been working for them. Um, And so they create this whole like circular echo chamber where it's working for them and they're the ones who are like talking about it the loudest relative to everyone else. So it creates this um, image of... uh, like it, it, they make it seem as though it's the superior method of doing it for everyone just because it's the loudest, most memeable thing, the thing that yeah. got handed over to the people who are best at memeing. So it becomes like this predominating narrative. And now everyone thinks that they need to get into sales when like I, for example, should definitely not get into sales in any meaningful way. Um, yeah. And, and, and another thing to understand about these narratives is that they come in cycles, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were, if you were around like X years ago, like these guys would be telling you to start a blog if you were around like <laughs> yeah X plus three years ago you'd be they'd be telling you to start like a drop shipping store they'd be telling you to start an agency next um they, they just they operate on hype cycles and like they a lot of sub people stack just, now yeah sub sub stack now uh some people have like sass uh, is like the, the newest one like these things come in cycles and you should never feel like the flavor of the month is what you absolutely have to commit yourself to um because yeah like certain things will always dominate the conversation and sometimes it's good to just completely sidestep that and Mm -hmm. do something completely your own way yeah do what suits you even even if it doesn't look like the most profitable thing right away like i see that with SaaS. i'm like oh man SaaS is clearly an amazing business model but i'm like i'm just like i just i don't care and it's like what do you care about i'm like yeah i know i like this this and this and so like start doing something and then assuming people want it, which is the like the prerequisite for that, then you can figure out like, okay, how do I make this more and more profitable? But like, don't let the business model choose you. And, mm-hmm. um, and the other thing I was going to say there is like what you're pointing about how like the extroverted, in a way, like the extroverted methods of earning income, like the loudest people throwing it out there, like those are almost overpriced. So what are the underpriced ones? Like one thing is affiliate yeah. marketing where like people run ad campaigns to sell other people's products that is a completely rogue and like very few people talk about what they do there because they don't want to sell a course they don't they don't want anyone to know what they're doing because it's their secret sauce and they're making tons of money and so it's like what are these hidden things that someone's doing someone's printing cash on and they're not telling you about because they don't want to sell a course and they also just don't want extra competition like i heard uh one story related to affiliate marketing where like there was some pretty heavy competition around marketing one product and the guys some of the guys figured out where one guy lived and they i think they called in like a fake rape charge or something and so what? cops went and busted him and it's like that's how competitive that space is because and so it's Jeez. like you have to be super careful it's like this competitive keep to yourself space and like i'm not saying uh like choose spaces like that just because of it because that also sounds super toxic but i bet there are all these ways of earning money that we just don't even know about. And if you found out about one, you'd be like, wow. Like, I think algo trading is a perfect example that someone might hear about. Like, you know what? That is me. And other people might hear and be like, that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to, and maybe I should do it. But it's like, is that really me? And like being honest about that with yourself and knowing that there are so many ways to make money, like in quotes, abundance mindset. Like there's so many ways to make money. And so like, what are the ways that are you? Yeah, like yeah. the good algo traders don't want everybody to be algo trading because that just eats away at their edge. Obviously, it's like a great thing for like certain people and it benefits the overall health of a market. 
to a degree, but if everyone's doing it, then you kind of cut out a lot of the volatility. Um, it, it changes the market dynamics and uh, the first movers in the space kind of get screwed over. And it, it's like that in a lot of industries. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true in that you should probably, if you look at if you look at what's getting a ton of retweets and likes, if like the topic that you're thinking of going into has like a billion views on YouTube, it's probably like a super crowded uh, trade. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a lot tougher than innovating uh, in somewhere in somewhere new. Like, uh, p- like part of why I got into algo trading and even started like talking about it, uh, releasing content on it is because like nobody does this. Like almost mm-hmm. nobody actually does this. It's like the opposite of uh, a crowded area. And so I think I was able to gain a ton of traction just by being one of the few people that was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, you should you should maybe consider doing this. Mm-hmm. That, that's another benefit of, um, quote, staying in your lane to a certain extent. Like, yeah. Ryan, you were like very much in your lane on coding. You're very much in your lane on trading. And if you had not been in those lanes, like when and where the when and where you were, um, you wouldn't have seen this opportunity. It's it's the people yeah. who like dive headlong, get really deep into into whatever their said lane is that spot these opportunities and can capitalize on them. Because if you're just hopping from one thing to another, you're not going to understand any particular niche well enough to go and do like the uh, well enough to find the really big opportunities in that space. It's it's only once yeah. you've been in it for a while and actually know what you're doing, know what you're talking about before you're yeah. actually going to be able to capitalize on anything there. Yeah, as nice as it is to be like a generalist and as cool as that sounds, you do eventually need to go hard on one thing if you want to actually make a full-time income out of it. Um, there's there's very few people that can sort of effortlessly float around from topic to topic and uh, sort of make it just riding those waves. Uh, usually, usually success comes when you get very, very good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Will being an obvious exception here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of, though. But like, say that being like... Every time I go a generalist route, I a I get more anxious because I'm juggling tons of things in my head. Yeah. Like I'm going full schizo with like 200 tabs open. But it's also it it's it's the biggest thing that's held me back. I'm like, oh man, if I focus on these few things, I would be happier. I'd be working less. I'd be learning more. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd be an accelerated timeline. And it's but it's that we all have our own things that holds us back, like our little holdups. And mine's just more obvious because. I'm also very vocal about it because I see it in other friends and I'm like, oh yeah, like don't do this because I think it's a self-esteem thing is that people that bounce around a lot are trying to prove almost to themselves that they're smart. It's like, oh yeah, like I can do this, 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 and this and still make it. And it's like, no man, like why don't you just choose one thing and do that? But if you choose one thing, focus on that and don't make it, that is hard on the ego. And so... Like your personality naturally avoids that. And it's it's the same as being avoidant in relationships. I just see it a lot in business too. Like people that bounce around. And it's like, man, like just take the risk. Like go all what do you want to go all in and all in on? Yeah. What do you believe that you could be really good at? And that's a hard question to answer. Like what is your ten year project? Because if you're dealing with that in your head, you have to face up to what you're good at, which I don't think many people do. Like I had, I had a great call with a guy, uh, I think this week. And we got on the phone, we were talking a bit about what I do. And he's like, what are you good at? And I sort of danced. I was like trying to find a good way of saying it. And I'm like, everyone should know how to answer this question. Right. And like knowing like, oh, what are you good at? And not just like, what do you do? But it's like, yeah. oh, what are you good at? And because that's what you should be doing your entire life. Like you can have different projects, but they'll all just manifest. What are you good at? And we see that with uh, like just a bunch of our friends right now, like our ch- are in that sort of transition and you can see like oh they are good at like under basically 
fomenting change within companies. Mm-hmm. Like perfect example is Hut and Samuel's business. Like yeah, what they're yeah. doing is that. And so it's what they're good at, but they're just taking it to a different model from employment to business. And then there's just other ways to do that. And I've had many phenomenal conversations with Samuel where he was talking to me more about behavior related to health stuff. And he called out a bunch of things in me. I was like, it's pretty cool that he can make me, he almost like push me through those changes in like a what, WhatsApp chat conversation. And so it's like, what is he good at is that. And, uh, and I just love to see more people be able to say that about themselves. Because I think, I, I'm, fuck, I'm just going off here. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's <laughs> that's why you guys recruited the uh, extrovert just for the dead space. Exactly. But, yeah. but I want to see everyone be able to answer that question. Because I think that related to a lot of other societal issues around like low self-esteem and going on and on, like we don't have to go into that, but I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Like I think a lot of those issues get solved if people are like, oh yeah, this is what I'm good at. So that's the last time I'll say good at in this episode. <laughs> I've dropped sovereign already too, so I'm running out of uh, things to repeat. Yeah, well, even with your business models, um, I, the, it seems like there's a common denominator of recognizing the value proposition in businesses and learning how to capitalize on them. Like if you can't do that, you're not going to be a good copywriter. For example, if you don't understand why a business exists, what its upsides are, what it's going to do for a customer, then you can't copyright um, because you don't understand the value proposition that you're trying to present to a customer. And then with the consulting, um, you understand what a business does and can um, consolidate that into a more cohesive idea for the business owner and uh, quotes consult them to um, to pursuing that in a, in a more profitable way, if that makes sense. Like you're, you're kind of taking that same skill set and just applying it in different domains um, with, with both of those business models. Yeah, and, and that was what uh, like Pat, our friend Pat Stedman said very kindly about me. He was just like, yeah, like you're really good at like knowing someone's business better than they know it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he said, I was like, that is sort of what I try and do is like, I just, there we go. I, I really like, I, I don't know. Now I'm just like tooting my own horny, but it's like, it's what I think I am really good at is like, understanding someone and someone's business well enough to tell them like, oh, this is the path you should take. Like I know the map and it's like, don't, don't try and be, like I see this with people starting businesses on Twitter and stuff. And then they try to be like the extroverted tweeter. And it's like, no man, like that, you, you, some people just feel grimy about that. Like, I think actually, Ryan, you said this to me, you're like, I will never just be like reply trolling in like other people, like, like find 10 big accounts, hundred K plus and just posting one reply a day to like, boost engagement mm-hmm. but that that can congruently work as an extroverted strategy mm-hmm. i i naturally do that and that i am always responding to different people that i like tangentially know and mm-hmm. and i'm like oh i'm not doing this just for the engagement i'm doing this because this is how i am and i think that people find natural ways to natural ways to manifest a business in their own way is like mm-hmm. i will go down this path of like, this is how I'm going to do social media. This is how I'm going to do sales for my business. This is how I'm going to do product. Like, there are 10 different ways for people to have, um, like, 10 different ways for people to have, like, an algo business. 10 different ways for people to do, uh, like, to do, like, business coaching. There's mm-hmm. all yeah, these different styles, ways. Yeah. 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 Getting with coding, all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's watching people explore that and find their their groove almost like oh this is the rhythm that i want to run my business at and then they can just go forever but you almost see people like trying to like almost, like almost like do a cover business it's like oh i'm like covering that song i'm covering that business they're just doing 
the same thing, but they didn't write the words. They didn't know any of it. They don't understand it. It's not them. And, uh, and it's, it's always weird to see that because you can just tell that someone's like working outside of their groove. Yeah, I, I think something that should be like enormously motivating for people that uh, have yet to take the leap is that there's literally like an infinite set of possible paths to take uh, for you as an individual to go completely independent financially, right? And there's also a completely infinite set of paths that have not even yet been discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those are just absurdly massive and you should not tunnel vision based on what happens to be what people are talking about right now mm-hmm. yeah don't don't become a lawyer just because uh it's is the hot thing don't go into tech um yeah. tech sales just because it's the hot thing whatever and i guess in between that it was i banking we're talking about like the last 30 years it was like oh everyone's being a lawyer everyone's being an i banker everyone's mm-hmm. going to tech and then now i guess it's everyone is de- trading shit coins in their boxers what well, well. <laughs> Everyone should be doing that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, no that's actually, part. This is financial advice. It's just yeah. self-care. That's the Fine. official recommendation of the podcast, yeah. actually. Yeah, we're, we're long COVID and we're long ass coin. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what was, what was your transition like? Um, like, we, we know you were, you were born a male. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, you don't know me that, you don't know me that well, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never confirmed that to you, so... No, I have never gotten the D-pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, um, I was a software engineer, uh, just mm-hmm. like a regular software engineer before this. Um, and basically, I think in around, I think early 2017, uh, I started to become like, gradually more obsessed with crypto. Um, mm. It like, totally took hold of my entire attention. And I decided around then, I was like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to do this full time. I'm not sure yeah. how yet, but I'm going to do it. So I, I just started like uh, consuming a shit ton of content. I, I was trading a ton, mostly losing money, mm-hmm. you know, like, like everyone does at the start. Um, Speak for yourself, I, man. <laughs> except, except for Will, who's like a natural prodigy at it. Up only. Um, and yeah, so I started, uh, I, I started working on an automated trading system because I thought it was like a natural sort of marriage of like my two, like my obsession and the thing that I'm good at, which is mm-hmm. software. Um, That's pretty cool. Uh, and I just basically worked on it uh, nights and weekends almost every day for like a year. Um, I, I think I talked to you guys about this, but I, I, I was also taking a ton of modafinil to try and like fuel that the entire time. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been there. We're, we're all bookmarking <laughs> future episode ideas and one of them is just going to yeah. be... What would you call them? Gray, gray market uh, stimulants? Gray, gray market cognitive enhancers might be episode two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's not an official recommendation of the podcast, by the way. I don't recommend you take modafinil every day for a year. Um, but, Only because we but, yeah. have an affiliate link set up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Just give it time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was doing that. So, like, yeah, every nights and weekends for a year, uh, I was just building a, an automated trading system, like my own native one. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. there are like uh, there are third party solutions out there, but I wanted one that I had full control over. Right. Um, and then I eventually launched my first uh, bot. It was a Bitcoin trading bot uh, and it went really, really well. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically been uh, enormously like profitable to me from then uh, right up until now. Uh, I think I've barely, I think I've tweaked the algorithm once in like, maybe it's like two and a half years now it was running. I think I've tweaked it like once. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, 
And yeah, so about like, uh, I think maybe like a year, year and a half into that, uh, I was talking to a, f- a friend of mine, uh, Chiron. Uh, you guys know him, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to him about the possibility of like, I was like, this software is kind of cool, right? Like, I feel like I could, I could sell this to other people that want to build their own bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was sort of the seed of what became Cypherscope. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like uh, to fast forward, uh, I was basically at the point where I had almost replaced my software engineering income with uh, algo trading. At this point, Cypherscope wasn't really making any money. It was just like a nice little boost on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of decided probably too early, to be honest, to just take the leap and quit my job and do this full time. I think that especially this was too early, even if you measure it by normal standards, but if you measure it by algo trading standards where you can like literally lose money uh, yeah. just by playing, uh, it was probably definitely too early. But I don't know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that a lot of the standard advice on when to quit your job to go independent is a little bit too risk averse. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially if you're young, you know, maybe if you have kids and like other commitments, fair enough. But right, right. If, you're, if you're young, and you're not burdened by anything like that, I think it's like enormously EV positive to take like these big concentrated bets when you think you have an edge. Um, a lot of my metaphors go back to trading, by the way. Um, <laughs> Good way to think. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I did. Um, and I got lucky. Uh, it, it never really, I never really had like any big drawdowns after that. So I was able to support myself from then until now. And I think it's been more than a year now. It's been more than a year of me like fully supporting myself on that income. And yeah, I'm just hoping to continue it for as long as possible and build on it and grow from there. Jeez, yeah, that's awesome. Do you have, uh, something I've been curious about for a while, do you have intentions of launching additional bots on top of the, the original uh, BTC USD one that you've got? Um, like smooth yeah. out returns or anything like that? Or do you kind of prefer the high concentration into into master bot uh sorry both so i have other bots running but they don't have as much capital i sort of oh. allocate capital in line with uh performance and confidence so like mm-hmm. the btc bot has been like enormously uh well performing for a long time so it has right. like the, the lion's share of my capital and i'm mm-hmm. happy to just uh trust it with that but i have other algos like i have a, an oil uh algo and uh, mm-hmm. i have like other ones in the pipeline as well that i just give like play money until it basically proves itself as reliable and profitable oh, and okay. then i'll like allocate it more or less depending on how well it does right 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 i think that's a good metaphor for how i i would almost recommend going through like finding what you want to do is allocate time based on how you're doing there and how much you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, that is a good way to put it. And I know I'm working on like a ton of other stuff as well to sort of build mm-hmm. on it. Uh, I'm working on the uh, web-based uh, automated trading platform so that people can like build bots and like yeah, launch them entirely awesome. within like a web browser. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to talk about that more when it's more uh, it was closer to fruition. Mm-hmm. And a couple other projects that are like. Uh, redacted right now that I'll hopefully we'll talk about more in the future. Yeah, and something you said there about the like we'll call it like the jump or the leap or whatever is and people being overly risk averse there is I think everyone overrates how hard it is to come back to your job and stuff. Like I yeah yeah like if you leave on a positive note and you were good at what you were doing yeah like they will be they will. If you were to come back a year later, they would probably try and find a way to bring you back. Like, oh, like, so 
that we have a guy that we don't need to train all these things. He was good at this. Like assuming the company's doing well. Like I, I had that where my, um, like seeing my old boss two days ago and he was just, he had previously messaged me about a month ago, just asking like, Oh man, like, do you plan on coming back? And he's like, no, it's not really part of the plan. Yeah. But it was just knowing that like, yeah, that's what happens if you leave on a positive note and you, uh, don't just be a total like goon on the way out and do anything dumb. It's like, if you give enough <laughs> notice and are just a positive person like yeah people are like it, it's not that bad even to go back to your job and so it's almost better to jump sooner and then worst case it doesn't work out you're back in that job like six months later a year later yeah. thing and um obviously not ideal but i think it just takes away that little uh that risk in your head like the anxiety of like oh like i will starve yeah, if it's I, not even a risk yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like there's there's almost no risk and the if, assuming you don't have lavish living expenses, like mm-hmm. it's not that hard to find some ways to make some money. It's just that like you maybe have to work more, or, like doing something mm-hmm. you don't like and stuff like that. So there's always a way. And like I, I was maybe I jumped too soon financially, mm-hmm. but I was I almost knew I'm like okay, like leaning into that edge there and like jumping out will make me just a happier more fulfilled dude and and it worked out that way and uh i remember like my three closest friends i had a call with each of them and i was like oh man red team this like tell me like what am i missing here should i like should i do it should i not and they're all like you should do it and the only thing they were like the only risk is that you are very outgoing guy and so you being at home all day is going to drive you crazy so you need to have like a plan socially for like what you do like to get that social outlet and that's where once again covid has been great like i like getting to know you guys, like a lot of other people from Twitter that I've gotten to know. And I'm like, I hop on the phone with regularly. I have great chats with like, mm-hmm. that's something that was relatively new to me. Like these like long phone calls with people. Like normally I would just like, oh, I'm meeting up or I'm doing this and stuff. And so it's only really seeing people at night, which that means like alcohol is involved. And so it's like, I'm either thinking like I go out and see people and like, I'm not as productive tomorrow or I don't see people. And so Mm-hmm. it's almost as I started to just get to talk to more people like on the phone in the middle of the day, like that solved that problem that my friends rightly pointed out. Like I would go insane just like purely being like yeah. at home. Right. Right. That makes me think of another topic that I want to discuss in a future episode, which is like uh, when you're independent, like the pressure to literally be working uh, all day, every day, because you don't oh. have that like standard structure of, mm-hmm. Oh, you go home now. You're no longer in work mode. Yep. Um, that's that's like a i feel like in even people that are like sort of just traders and trying to build up like um build up in uh like a base of capital through that also feel this enormously i think uh, especially if they're crypto traders because you feel like you need to be on all the time to be catching all of the opportunities yeah 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 um, i think that's that's too true about people like the capture all opportunities there's always work to do and stuff like that and it's a uh, it's a natural anxiety I think people have of like oh I'm missing out yeah. on this and that's where like I watch uh, like I was just on like visiting family and uh, I was watching like my sister who like she she basically at the end of the day she would just close her laptop and she was good mm-hmm. and she would start work at nine and she was good and I was like fuck like there there is some benefit to that and I think a lot of people have to learn like if you if you have a business if you have like something is self governed. You have to know where your boundaries are with yourself. And like what I've done is I do hard cut off at seven o'clock. Like even like, like I know at seven o'clock, I do not do any work after that. And so mm-hmm. I treat that boundary very, very, like very sacred to me. 
and it's great like my girlfriend knows that i'm never gonna be like working late but she also knows like i might have to wake up early to do more or something like that mm-hmm. and it also yeah. gives me that pressure where i crunch through work in those last two hours because i'm like oh mm-hmm. if i don't get this out i either have to wake up early or i've screwed up and uh putting that boundary in has been great and same thing with not working sundays um yeah doing doing those two things has been phenomenal and i think people have to learn to put those own ba- their own boundaries in because they didn't have to do that before. And um, like another one is like not having work email on your phone for some people. And just more and more of those boundaries are just key to maintaining sanity. That's, I think that's absolutely true. And at the same time, it's not the way I live at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember you and I were having a back and forth though. And I was just like, I feel like you don't experience anxiety. And you're like, no, I, like it's foreign, foreign concept. Like you understand it, but you just don't, experience it in the same way like a lot of other people would be like constantly like oh i've got to do this i've got to do this i've got to do this like i, I don't even know how to describe it but there's just a difference in how you process that i think versus me and i don't even consider myself like an anxious guy it's that i always just have ideas on my mind and i'm bouncing around like oh i gotta do this yeah. this 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 yeah yeah maybe uh i i definitely don't set like the hard boundaries like you do i i am i do i do sort of work like uh all the time especially i don't know it's very cycle dependent it depends on like what uh the crypto markets are like right now Mm. i feel like if it was a a completely dead crypto bear market uh, i would not have this sort of problem at all and it'd be very easy to sort of uh turn off and i think there's a certain irony actually in that getting into algo trading to sort of save yourself time and not have to scout entries and then end up just mm-hmm. doing the same anyway um, <laughs> but i think the nature is that some crypto conditions make it so that if you want to be capitalizing on the most opportunities you do kind of have to be on all the time mm-hmm. circling back around a, a point that will had made about like you can go back to your job at any time. Um, thinking from like a macro perspective, um, with there being a labor shortage right now, that's like super, yeah. super true. Like companies all over the place, nearly every single industry are dying to get more people into their facilities, into their workforces, because yeah. people just don't want to work. So if you were to take a leap, um, now would be nearly the best time to do it, honestly. The, it's just so bad, so easy to hop back into the workforce if you ever need it. If you've got a base of capital that you're working with already, if you've got months, yeah. years, whatever of living expenses saved up and you, you're prepared to um, go for at least a short period of time without getting that secure workforce income, um, yeah, the, yeah, arguably never going to be a better time to do it. I think uh, I think if there was like one message I want to drill home to people on this episode, it would be that like the risk reward of taking that leap is probably a ton better than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one like another thing I sort of got out of COVID in last year is watching. Like, I think in the future we'll see people's net worth rising way more in steps than in a consistent manner. Yeah, and because of that, it's it's more possible to take even just take six months off of working and be like, Oh yeah, like I'm actually going to eat in my capital base for a bit. I'm taking six months off to do nothing. Or I'm like, you'll see people that are like, you know what? Like I'm having, I'm having a kid and I just want to like focus on that. Like I, like I've set it up so I know I can take time off and then come back and like really, really grind on this. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see a lot more of a sprint mindset and a lot more of a, like people being comfortable, like, 
having some slack in their like job history, their work history and stuff like that. Like I, like my plan would be probably like take a month off like at some point. Like I, I, I think a lot of people would benefit in a lot of ways if they just did take a month off and uh, we're like, okay, and like really reassess stuff because it takes that stress away being like every day I, that I'm not grind, like grind set every day that I'm not doing this, this, and this, like I am, like I'm missing out on success. And it's like, no, because a lot of it is more about bets rather than like just grinding, grinding, grinding on mm-hmm. things for a while. And uh, yeah, and I, I just love seeing more people accept like, oh, there's gonna be times where I have a little bit of time off in between like this project and this project, or I'm just taking time to think. Yeah, exactly. I'm... <clears throat> On that note, um, do we have anything else? Um, anything else we want to go over? It's probably a good way to end it. Yeah, I like that for length too. I think. Uh, yeah, coming up on an hour, a yeah, over an hour. Yeah, I think that's pretty perfect. And um, yeah, cool. I don't know, this, this is a ton of fun. Yeah, let me figure out how to uh, cut the yeah. recording. Then we can hop off. Shut Craig down. Bye, Craig. It was great seeing you.